Hi, and welcome to this edition of Title Health on Point. I'm Roger Fallabout, Director of Strategic Communications for Title Health, and also the host of the program today. Back with us is a good friend of On Point. We're glad to have him with us as we kick off our very first podcast of 2021. He's Dr. Bob Joyner, who is the director of the Richard A. Henson Research Institute at Tidal Health Peninsula Regional. Hi, Bob. Welcome to 2021. Hello, Roger, and thanks for having me again. It is a great pleasure to start off this brand new year with you across the table from me. So for those of us who were not with us when you were here a couple of months ago talking about the Richard A. Henson Research Institute, kind of a recap on what it is that you do. So the Research Institute is an effort by Tidal Health to bring clinical trials to the Eastern Shore. Clinical trials are those uh, medical efforts that are provided to patients when standard of care isn't quite enough. Um, So what we do in the Richard A. Henson Research Institute is work with uh, Johns Hopkins Clinical Research Network. Uh, We work with partners in the pharmaceutical industry and also individually with physicians here at Tidal Health to provide patients opportunities to participate in research trials that they wouldn't otherwise have. And thanks to our friends at the Henson Foundation, the Cancer Institute and the Research Institute are both funded, both carry the Henson name, but yours isn't specifically just cancer research, correct? No, it is not. It actually has three categories of research. So innovative oncology, advanced therapeutics, and population health. And we have research trials that are going on in each one of those categories. So we work in cancer. We absolutely do that. Um, But we also work in cardiology and internal medicine um, and population health. And Bob, one of the things that makes the Henson Research Institute so unique here on the Eastern Shore is our connection with Hopkins. Absolutely. So we are, are connected with the Johns Hopkins Clinical Research Network. It is something that I participate with uh, uh, a number of times a week, including even this morning, uh, in regards to bringing uh, advanced clinical medicine to the Eastern Shore so that our community doesn't have to travel far away to gain access to that medicine. Let's switch the topic to today's hot topic, which is COVID-19. Okay. Remains that, been that for almost a year now. What is the difference for those who don't, uh, don't understand between a vaccine and an antibody therapy? So the virus itself is something that lives for a, a, a time inside of your blood. And there's virus particles that travel out around inside your blood. Uh, think of them essentially as Frisbees that are flying around in your bloodstream. The antibodies themselves are things that recognize that vac- the virus and uh, attack the virus and neutralize it. So Under normal circumstances, what your body does is it recognizes the virus as something foreign and it builds the antibodies itself. And then those antibodies that are coming from your body um, neutralize the virus. We understand through science what those antibodies are and we can develop those antibodies in the lab. So there are now therapies, medicines that can be given to people um, through IVs that can be delivered and they neutralize the virus. So those are the antibody therapies that we're here about. Well, thanks for clearing that up, Bob. Um, around vaccines, what, what differentiates them from antibody therapies, and how do vaccines work? So again, there is a particle that we call a virus that is running around in the bloodstream. 
the body has a way to understand that that's foreign. It does that through something called the spike protein. The spike protein is on the outside of the virus. The virus is encapsulated in a chamber. The body recognizes the spike protein, builds antibodies against it, and neutralizes the virus. So what a vaccine does in one way or another is cause the body to recognize the spike protein, and then the body will build antibodies against it. So the, 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 vir- the vaccines that are available currently through Moderna and Pfizer actually use what is referred to as RNA technology. That RNA encodes for the spike protein itself, and it causes spike protein to be available in the body. The body develops antibodies against it, so it neutralizes those spike proteins. The thing that's important to understand here is that it only encodes for the spike protein. It doesn't encode for the virus itself, and it just prepares the body to respond to the virus when it's available um, because it's responding to the spike protein. One last thing that I think is really important here is that sometimes people fear the idea that when they get a vaccine that they could get COVID from the vaccine. In this particular case, there is no virus in the vaccine. The vaccine encodes for the spike protein, not the virus. So you can't get COVID from the vaccine. We have come a very long way in a very short period of time developing vaccines and therapies for those who are COVID-19 positive. What's out there on the horizon that uh, is new and and on its way to us soon, possibly? So certainly, just talking about vaccines for a second, the technology that's being used to develop these mRNA vaccines from Pfizer Pfizer and from Moderna, um, that technology has been growing for the past 10 or 15 years. There were people 15 years ago that believed that mRNA could be uh, a medicine, And one of the reasons that this has happened as quickly as it happened is because we spent the last 15 years working on the science to get here um, before the the virus actually became available. So there's two pieces to COVID that we have to talk about. One of those is infection, and limiting that infection is related to the vaccine. But we do have people who are sick from COVID, and so we have to be able to care for them. In regards to the Richard A. Henson Research Institute, one of the things we're able to offer in the hospital is something called sargramistin. Sargramistin is actually an inhaled medication that helps reduce the debris that's inside of the lung. So you can think of one of the problems that COVID causes is that it causes debris to develop inside the lung. And so you don't have good gas exchange. You can't get oxygen into the body and you can't get CO2 out of the body. And so uh, sargramistin is actually targeting cells inside the body that would enhance the clearance of that debris that develops. And because we have a research institute, we're able to offer something like that here on the Eastern Shore. How does a vaccine actually get developed and then come to market? Um, So in regards to that, you have to have the technology that's behind it. Um, you, You have to have the understanding of the physiology of what it would produce. You create a drug that we call a vaccine, and you have multiple clinical trials that go on. You have smaller clinical trials that are uh, investigate whether or not the vaccine itself would induce harm. Um, Those very small studies are actually um, carried out just not necessarily for 
how well the vaccine works, but to make sure that the vaccine doesn't hurt someone. That's finished relatively quickly. And then in regards to the vaccines that are available, they have enrolled approximately 40,000 people each, studied the outcomes of those 40,000 people, and found that those outcomes demonstrate about 95% protection from the virus itself. So we're talking Pfizer and Moderna, correct? Pfizer and Moderna. Those are the two that are out there right now. Is there a percentage of the population that needs to be vaccinated for, for either one of these vaccines to be considered effective? So what you're talking about is something called herd immunity. It's a conversation that happens quite a bit in the, uh, our community. And what herd immunity is, is it is when more of the population is immune to the virus and so the virus can't survive, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some question in regards to whether or not herd immunity could be achieved uh, through natural means. So do we give enough people COVID and because naturally you develop antibodies, you would develop herd immunity? Uh, that actually would be a disaster in regards to the number of people that it would require to have COVID and attempting to provide the health care for that. So what you do is you use a vaccine that causes the person to develop antibodies but does not cause the disease, and you develop herd immunity in that manner. And that's what's going on right this second. You need approximately 75 to 80% of the population to be immune to a particular virus in order to gain herd immunity. And that's what we're trying to get to. What would you say to the individuals who are on the fence? They're not sure they want to get the vaccine. They're concerned about the vaccine's safety. Um, So in regards to the studies that have happened up to this moment, these are the largest studies that have ever happened in the history of medicine um, to demonstrate the effectiveness and safety of a vaccine. Vaccines carry a small risk. They do. They, all vaccines carry a small risk. You know, one of the, the things that have come up recently is the very few number of individuals that have had an anaphylactic reaction to a vaccine. Well, inherently, a very small number of individuals will have some reaction to it. So I can't say that it's 100% uh, risk-free. But what I can say is that In each one of those individuals that had a reaction, they are healthy now. They they had their care to take care of the reaction that they had, and they're healthy. And I can't overstate how few number of people this is. You know, we're now at something like 3 million people that have been vaccinated. And at least in the news, we're talking about three or four people out of the 3 million people that have had some sort of reaction. So. It all goes into risk. So if you get COVID, is there a risk that you could have a a severe reaction to the COVID and potentially pass away? Sure, there is. Um, and And I think that is a risk. But I think the other thing that people should think about is the risk of the amount of care that they'll need um, if they do get COVID, if they get hospitalized and the cost of that. Um, and we have a way out of this right this second. That is the vaccine. Driving your car take is it has a risk to it. Taking a vaccine has an incredibly small risk to it. And so while I get the worry, I think people should worry more about getting COVID. I agree. 
you and I have both been vaccinated. We're through the first round so far. And I know everybody is different and everybody is going to react differently to this. But um, for me, a little soreness at the injection site the next day for a couple of hours and, and I was fine. Typically normal. That was, that was my experience. Um, if it's okay for me to say, I'll also say that my son got it. My son is a paramedic, so he's a, a first responder. Um, and same sort of complaint. Uh, so uh, I know lots and lots of people now who have had it. They all have the same sort of complaint. There's a, a small amount of pain, like you ran into a door uh, lightly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, it's, it didn't limit my range of motion. I, I knew it was there, but that was about it. And like you said, I think within 24 hours it was gone. Um, if that's what it takes for me not to get COVID, well, obviously, sign me up. Yeah, I'm right there with you, too. <laughs> right there with you. Um, get you out of here on this one, Bob. I've heard you say before, there's, there's no magic wand. We can't wave a magic wand. We can't make COVID go away. But do we ever get to the point where we can eradicate this thing and it's, and it's gone 100% from, from our community and our world? So, sure, we do in regards to that. And, and we do go back to something that we call whatever normal is, right? Whether that was normal or not then um, in regards to that. Do I think that people will be worried for a while? So when's the next time we're going to feel comfortable being inside of a filled movie theater? You know, some of that is science and some of that is sort of the psyche that's happened to us. We've changed a little bit in the past uh, year. Um, but what we do is we make ourselves secure right? Uh, we, we come to the point where we recognize that we're not going to get COVID anymore. Um, and we make sure that we develop the science and the infrastructure. So when something like this happens again, we're prepared. Although I'm uh, absolutely amazed at how fast we were able to respond to this, this time, let's make it even faster next time. Yeah. Still wear your mask, still socially distance. Still wash your hands, sanitize your hands often. Seems to be working. And um, and maybe a little side added benefit, no cases of the flu at the hospital this year so far. I was about to suggest that. I haven't even seen a person that had a cold yet. And so in regards to that, there is some benefit that's going on. Um, uh, wearing masks, socially distanced, washing our hands more, you know, taking care of the grocery carts at the at the grocery store, things like that. You know, for some of these things, maybe these are things we should be doing anyway. Yeah, so maybe it's not the normal anymore, but but perhaps it's um, it's a good new normal. Absolutely. That we're all engaged in. Well, Bob, thank you again for being on the show. Always great to have you here. As I said, great pleasure to uh, kick off 2021 uh, with you on the podcast. So thanks. I appreciate you having me. And that will do it for this edition of Title Health on Point. If you'd like to learn more about the Richard A. Henson Research Institute at Title Health Peninsula Regional, you can find that information on our website at titlehealth.org. Back to COVID for a moment. If you're looking for a COVID test, we have partnered with the Wicomico County Health Department to provide those weekly. They're free, but you do need to register for those. Please call the COVID hotline at 410-912-6889 to get registered. For Dr. Bob Joyner, I am Roger. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again on the next edition of Title Health on Point.